Take your Bible and turn with me, not to James, but to Ephesians, okay? Ephesians chapter 1, we're going to look at one verse. Well, we're going to look at a lot of verses, but we're going to really unpack one verse, verse 13. I'm going to ask you a simple question, and uh, I want you to know that I'm going to be talking a little bit, not trying to be disparaging or anything like that or critical, but I am going to talk a little bit about some the way other people believe uh, is the way to salvation, but I want to talk to you today about how the Bible says you become a Christian, okay? So how do you become a Christian? Do you just go to church, a Christian church? Do you just say, I adhere to the teachings of Jesus? Uh, how do you become a follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ? Well, let's look at Roman Catholicism just a little bit. Uh, I won't go into a lot of it, but uh, they believe that you become a, a Christian when you are baptized or sprinkled as an infant before you have enough uh, mental wherewithal, spiritual wherewithal to uh, repent or believe you just when you get baptized or sprinkled uh, that you're a Christian. Well, there's only one problem with that, but it's a big problem. There's nothing in the Bible about sprinkling babies. Nothing. Zero in the New Testament. Nowhere in the New Testament do we see babies being baptized, much less sprinkled. The word baptized is a English transliteration of a Greek word, baptizo, which means to plunge, to immerse, if you're from Dyersburg, to dunk, to dunk. And it's a beautiful picture, and the only way you get the picture of the resurrection of Jesus is through immersion. He died for our sins, he was buried, and he rose from the dead. It's also what happens to you when you get baptized. You die to your old way of life, you're buried with God in Christ, and you're raised to walk in newness of life. You don't get any of that. You say, well, it's like, you know, water or sprinkling babies is likened unto circumcising babies in the Old Testament. I'm sorry, but that is not New Testament theology. That's not New Testament. You say, well, where did all that come from then? It came from back in the early church when they started to believe that there was some type of salvific power in the water of baptism. So somebody along the way said, why don't we, look, if baptism saves you, let's just go ahead and baptize babies so that they will be sure to be saved and not go to hell. And so it's a little hard to immerse a little baby and them not taking in some of the water. So they started the sprinkling process. And basically, that's how it came about. It didn't come out of Scripture. It came out of bad theology. Nothing in the Bible about, in the New Testament, about sprinkling babies. It's not there. You can't find it. And so we don't believe that the Roman Catholics are right on that. Then the Church of Christ say, well, how about if you just immerse somebody, and that's how you get saved, well, they believe that immersion is part of the salvific experience, but there's only a problem with that. If, if, if doing something like being baptized or taking the Lord's Supper, you know, the, the, the uh, Catholics believe that the Lord's Supper is a way to salvation also, and that if you take that in, that you're taking in the literal body and blood of Christ, which is 
not what Jesus had in mind when he was talking about that in John chapter 6. But when you get baptized, they say, well, that's where you get saved. Well, the problem with that is it makes a good work meritorious. And what that means is that it's meriting or earning salvation. And the Bible is in juxtaposition. That's a fancy word for direct opposition with anything that you can do to get saved. Look at me. I can't do anything ex except just surrender to Jesus in order to get saved. He did it all. He paid it all. He did it all. He's the one that died for my sins. He's the one that rose from the dead. And that's why Paul said in Ephesians 2, 8, verse through 10, would you read this with me from the screen, good and strong? For by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. Stop, stop right there. Again, I say this all the time, but I, you just got to understand, Paul was Jewish in background. He understood, you know what I'm about to say, Hebrew parallelism. And so he makes a statement and then he explains the statement. What's the statement? By grace you've been saved through faith. What does that mean, Paul? Not of yourselves. It's the gift of God. Now watch this. Keep going now. Not, read it with me now, not as a result of works so that no one may boast. Now watch this. For we are his workmanship, read it with me now, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. He goes on to explain, hey, if you get saved, you're God's workmanship, literally you're God's masterpiece, and you're, you're saved for good works. You're not saved by good works, but if you get saved, you will perform good works. Not, as, not to secure your salvation or to achieve your salvation, but to show that you're saved, to display your salvation, that you're really saved. And so that's what the Bible says. It's by grace through faith in Christ. Titus 3, 5 says, he saved us. We didn't save ourselves. He saved us. How? Not on the basis of deeds which we have done in righteousness, but according to his mercy. Anybody thankful for mercy this, this morning? Yeah. How about that? By the washing, not of water, but of regeneration and renewing by the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit regenerates you, you're washed by the Holy Spirit, the living water of God, not by H2O, all right? Amen, Paul. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that we are saved. We are saved by grace through faith in Christ. So I want to talk to you today about the title of the message, Salvation 101. If you... Uh, go to the University of Memphis, or you go to a seminary, you go wherever, and you say, okay, I want to study English. They have English 101, 201, 301, 401, and I don't know how far it goes, but it just keeps going. And it's just a different higher level everywhere. So let's just talk about entry-level salvation, entry-level being born again. What it, what's it like? Ephesians 1.13. Read it with me, please, from the screen. Read it with me now. In him, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Do you see that prepositional phrase twice in there? In him. I'll ask them back here. Do you see the prepositional phrase twice in there? In him. I got, no, no, that's too late for y'all. I'm, I'm talking to them. Be quiet just a minute. Did y'all, do, do you see in him? No, you're not up here. I'm not trying to be cute, but we're saved in Jesus. 
That's how we're saved. You're not saved by a pope. You're not saved by a church. You're not saved by Steve Gaines or any pastor or any priest or any, anything like that. You're saved by Jesus in him. Where's my salvation? In Jesus. In Jesus. Is my salvation in being a Southern Baptist? No. Is my salvation in being a Catholic? No. Is my salvation in Church of Christ? No. My salvation is in Jesus. In Jesus. In Him. I want you to do something with me now. Take your Bible and look at Ephesians 1. You should already be there. I'm going to read, and I'm going to read it fast, but I'm going to read it good and strong, and I'm going to show you that at least 13 times Paul says in Jesus, and he's talking about salvation in the whole first chapter. It's all in Jesus. It's going to sound like he's just repeating himself over and over. He talks about in the beloved, in Christ Jesus, in him, in him. Listen, here it comes. You ready? Here it comes. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus. I want you to circle or underline the in hymns in here, okay? This is how we're saved. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus, at Ephesus, who are faithful in Christ Jesus. There's the first one. Grace to you and peace from God the Fa our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings in heavenly places. How? In Christ. Just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we would be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the kind intention of his will, to the praise of the glory of his grace, which he freely bestowed on us in the beloved. The beloved is Jesus Christ. And then he starts off uh, verse seven. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention, which he purposed in him with a view to an administration suitable to the fullness of the times. That is the summing up of all things in Christ, things in the heavens and things on the earth. And look at the last part of verse 10. In him also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose to his purpose who works all things after the counsel of his will to the end that we who were the first to hope in him would be to the praise of his glory. In him, this is our verse for today, you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise who is given as a pledge of our inheritance or a down payment of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of God's own possession to the praise of his glory. For this reason, I too, having heard of the faith in the Lord Jesus, there it is again, which exists among you and your love for all the saints, do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers. Just don't ever forget that little phrase, making mention of you in my prayers. I've got a list of about 60 people that I pray for every day, and I just mention their name. And once I mention their, there's something about just calling out a name to God. And when you do that, then praying verses over them, you can pray for people to be healed that way. Mention them in your prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you a spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power toward us who believe. There are 
These are in accordance with the working of the strength of his might, which he brought about in Christ. That's the last time he says it, but I'm going to go ahead and finish the chapter. Just a few more verses here. When he raised him from the dead, seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave them as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I rest my case. Salvation is in Jesus Christ. In Jesus Christ. How am I saved? In him. I'm not just with him. I'm in him and he is in me. I'm born again, no less than 13 times. Now, Muslims say, no, Jesus is just a prophet. He wasn't the supreme prophet. He wasn't the Savior who leads us to God. <clears throat> For Muslims, Allah is God. And Muhammad is his prophet. What do Mormons believe? Mormons, you say, they're Christians, are they not? No, they're not. They're not born-again Christians. Now, don't get mad at me. I know some of you have relatives that are, and they, they talk they, they will tell you that they believe just like you, and they don't. They don't. Mormons believe that Jesus was a man who became God. Jesus was not a man who became God. Jesus is God who became man. Exactly obvious. You say, well, what does it matter? It mattered all the difference in the world. Because they believe you can become a God. You, they believe man can become God just like Jesus became God. Jesus didn't become God. Jesus always was God and always will be God. And by the way, Mormons, and I'm not trying to shock you, and I'm telling you the truth, and if a Mormon is truthful about what they're about to say to you, he'll tell you this. Mormons believe that the devil and Jesus were brothers. I got news for you. The devil is not the brother of Jesus. The devil was a fallen angel originally created as a good angel, and Jesus created him, but he fell and he went into sin. They are not brothers. Wrong theology. What did Jehovah Witnesses believe? They believed that Jesus was just a man. I can remember in Lake Dallas, Texas. Now get this, get this picture. Baptist preacher lived next door to a Mormon who I dearly loved, Carpenter. He, he was just a great guy, but he was a Mormon. And so I can remember I would share with him, and we'd talk, and I would say, you know, Jesus was not a man who became God. He was a God who became man. And we would talk and just go back and forth. The devil and Jesus weren't brothers, and we'd just talk and stuff. And we would eat out with them. I mean, they had a little girl that was Grant's age, and they played together, and so... It wasn't like we hated it. It's not that you hate these people. You just try to lovingly tell them the truth. And so one Saturday morning, the Jehovah Witnesses were in the neighborhood, and they came by, and two young men, probably about 14 years old, knocked on my door, and they said, hi. Where I said, you guys are Jehovah Witnesses, aren't you? They said, yeah. I said, I believe in Jehovah, his name. Come on in. I, I love Jehovah, and I do. I love Jesus. He's, Jesus is Jehovah, right? So I, I, I bring them in, and so we're talking, and I'm reading to them. Uh, from John 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. 
He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being by him and apart from him. Nothing came into being that's come into being. And in him was life and the life was the light of the world. And I just started talking about the Bible. Jesus claims to be God. God is, is, is Jesus is God the Son and all that. All of a sudden I hear this knock on my door and it's their dad. And he knocks on the door and he said, uh, are my kids in here? I said, yeah, I'm telling them who Jehovah really is. He said, boys, let's go. And so they're walking out, and my Mormon neighbor, I, I, this, I'm telling you, I'm not embellishing this a bit. I'm standing at my door. The Jehovah Witnesses are leaving my house, and my Mormon neighbor said, I told y'all not to go over there. <laughs> Amen. So I'm not trying to sound like I know everything, but I, I want to tell you something. Look at me. Jesus is Jehovah. Jesus is Jehovah. Amen. 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 <laughs> oh, he said he was the only way. John 14, 6, Jesus said to them, again, Hebrew parallelism, I am the way, the truth, the life. What does that mean? No one comes to the Father but through me. He said it. He said it. And don't believe the disciples didn't get it. Peter got it. He's up there and they're saying, don't you preach anymore in the name of Jesus. And he said, oh, really? No, we're going to keep on because the Bible says there is salvation, Acts 4.12. There is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Don't you think that maybe Peter, if he didn't think Jesus taught that, would have been bowing out of that? Man, he stayed with the stuff. He was ready to die for the name of Jesus. It's only salvation in Jesus. Paul got it. He writes to, to Timothy and he says, there's only one God and only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus. Buddha is not a mediator between God and men. Muhammad is not a mediator between God and men. There's only one God and only one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. Amen. Jesus is the root of salvation because he's the only one that is divine. He is the only one who is eternal. He's the only one virgin born. He's the only one who led a sin, sinless life. He was tempted in all ways like we are, but he never sinned. And he's the only one that went to the cross to die as an atoning sacrifice for your sins. He's the only one that was buried, that came out of the grave never to die again. There were some people that came out of the grave, but they all died again. Jesus came out. He's never going to die again. And the Bible says he appeared to the disciples, and then he went back to the right hand of the Father. He sat down at the right hand of the Father and he's reigning now as King of kings and Lord of lords according to uh, the Bible, that great verse in uh, Psalm 110 verse one, he is at the right hand of the Father and he is gonna stay there until God makes all of his enemies a footstool for his feet. That's Jesus I'm talking about and Jesus is preparing heaven and Jesus is praying for you right now and Jesus is getting ready to come back. There's nobody, there's nobody like Jesus. Amen? Well, that's the root of salvation. It's in him. Well, who are the recipients of salvation? In him, you also. Who's you? Anybody that believes in Jesus and believes on Jesus. When Paul said you, technically he was talking in this context about the Ephesian Christians. How did they become Christians? 
And the you here is plural. He's talking about a lot of people. So how did the Christians in Ephesus become Christians? Were they always Christians? No. Paul went there, and we read about it in Acts 19. Don't turn there now, but you can go there, and you'll find out. Here's what Paul ha happened to Paul. He goes, he goes to Ephesus, and when he steps out, he starts meeting people. He meets these 12 guys who are disciples of John the Baptist. They had not heard the gospel of Jesus. They had, were still in the John the Baptist days. And so he shares the gospel with them correctly and said, it's not about John the Baptist. It's, to the one, it's about the one that John the Baptist was pointing to. And he told them about Jesus. They all got saved. They got filled with the Holy Spirit. And he moves on. And he goes to Ephesus. And he does what he always does. He goes to the synagogue, the Jewish synagogue in Ephesus. And he's sharing. And he said, hey, this Christ that you're looking for, he's already come. His name is Jesus. Let me tell you about him. I met him on the road, and he starts talking about Jesus, and a lot of people start getting saved in the synagogue. And then the Bible says after three months, they rose up, and some of the officials at the synagogue didn't like Paul, so they throw him out. They don't like him talking to him, saying Jesus is the Christ. And so, but then all the Christians go with him. All the disciples go with him. They go to the school of Tyrannus, and that is just this uh, philosophical uh, hall, if you will, and they just start having church. And the Bible says in only two years, all the people in what was Asia in that day, all the people around Ephesus, it was the epicenter, it was the capital of Asia in that day, all the people heard the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let me read it to you. Let me read it to you. He says in Acts 19.10, this went on, that is the gospel witness in the house of Tyrannus for two years, for the next two years, so that People throughout the province of Asia, Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. All these people started getting saved. And then God does some unusual miracles. Listen to this. God gave Paul, Acts 19, 11, and 12, the power to perform unusual miracles when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin. Now, what is that? What was Paul? He was a tent maker. That's a very, you know, rigorous uh, process and he was sweating a lot and they would just take the, the rags off of him and the Bible says when they were placed on sick people they were healed of their diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Now you say, do you really believe that? I really believe it. Do I believe it happens today? I don't know about that. I, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't know what would happen if you took a sweat rag off of somebody today. I don't know. All I know is it was happening in that day. You know, sometimes God had to do these kind of things with people that had no background whatsoever about Christianity, and so he's saving these people. And not only that, but a bunch of people in the occult come out of it. Let me read on in Acts 19. This is all about Ephesus. These are the yous. These are the people that he was talking to in our text today. Acts 19, 18 and 19 says, many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. What were those sinful practices? A number of them who had been practicing sorcery, divination, witchcraft, Satanism, casting spells, fortune tellers, all of that is an abomination to God. Even though Hollywood is making such a, 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 a big windfall financially by putting all this out there, Hollywood believes in some of these miraculous satanic things more than a lot of Christians do. And they're saying everything's okay with it. It's just divination. It's just fun. And they make it all sound so great. No, God said it's not great. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public 
bonfire. And if you've got any divination books at your place, you need to burn them in a fire. You need to get rid of them. You need to get rid of that stuff. The value of the books in modern day, which is the New Living Translation, what it's trying to say is several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. Recipients of salvation, all the people that were getting saved in Ephesus. And by the way, if you think that we should continue to, you know, it's okay to to read books about diviners and mediums and psychics and witches and warlocks, all, you know, and all that. The Bible says, let me just give you one verse besides the ones that were just talked about in the New Testament. Here's the Old Testament, Leviticus 19, 26, and I can give you a lot more than this. Do not practice fortune-telling and witchcraft and mediums and spiritists and all that stuff, divination. Just don't, don't have anything to do with it. Don't have anything to do with it. In him you also, are you a recipient of salvation in Jesus Christ, then you understand you've been born by his spirit. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 describes your life. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he, has been a, he is a new creature, a new creation. Old things pass away, new things come. If you are saved, you're gonna desire to do right. You might not always do right, but you're gonna desire to do right because the Holy Spirit in you wants to do the will of God. Do you have a desire? That's one of the main ways you know yourself. Do you have a desire to do the right thing? And when you do the wrong thing, do you feel conviction? Do you know that you shouldn't do those things? That's the test. It's one of the tests. God wants to save you. I don't care who you are, what you've done. God wants to save you. 1 Timothy 2, 3 and 4. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of truth. Who are the recipients of salvation? Those who are in him. Third, what is the requirement for salvation? You ready for this? After listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, you got to listen to the message of truth. If there is a message of truth, there's also messages of lies, right? I'm trying to show you some of the lies that are out there today too. So you've got to believe in the truth. You can't just believe You can't even just believe in God. You can only believe in God through his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. After listening to the message of truth, the gospel, the good news of your salvation. That's a requirement. You've got to listen. In order to be saved, you must listen to the gospel. You cannot get saved before you listen to the gospel. You can be saved when you listen to the gospel or after you hear the gospel That's why we at Bellevue, every time we take up an offering, a large portion of that goes to support our 4,000-plus missionaries all over the world in the Southern Baptist Convention that go through the International Mission Board, over 100 countries. Every time we pass a plate, you put money in there, you are supporting missionaries who are telling people who will never hear the gospel if we don't share it with them and others like us don't share it with them. All over the world, people are being saved, and they're being saved by the tens of thousands because the gospel of Jesus Christ is to be told and they need to listen and to hear the message. That is the requirement of salvation. Why are we planning as Southern Baptists to the North American Mission Board hundreds of New Testament gospel preaching churches across Canada? Canada is almost barren for the gospel. There, it used to be a gospel epicenter and now 
it's, it's a gospel wasteland, but we are planting hundreds of churches across Canada, hundreds of churches all out west in the United States, all up in New York. We just got back from Vermont. Churches are being planted all over New England right now. It's hard soil, but we're planting churches through the North American Mission Board. Why are we doing that? So people can have the opportunity at least to hear the gospel one time. Why should anybody hear it two times when some people have never heard it one time? And it's our job to go to them, not for them to come to us. So yes, we're going to be involved in that. Yes, we're going to tell people. And we want people to listen because you can't listen if nobody's sharing it. It's our job to share. And then they have to listen and do what they need to do. Romans 10, 14 reminds us that people, lost people can't hear the gospel if, unless saved people share the gospel. Romans 10, 14 says, How then will they call on him in whom they have not believed? You can't call on the Lord, the verse before that is, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's verse 13 right before that. We all know that one. But verse 14, is, how, how, how are they going to call on people when they've never believed? And how will they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how they, will they hear without a preacher? He's not talking about like a preacher like me. He's talking about a proclaimer, somebody able to share the gospel. I preached at a funeral yesterday of a dear friend that I've known for over 30 years. She and her husband joined our, church, joined our church at West Jackson when they were in their 20s. She was only 60 years old. That may sound like old to some of you. It doesn't sound old to me. And she died, not of COVID, but of a respiratory problem. They called, we were in Vermont, and they called us on Monday and said, be praying for her. She died on Tuesday. It was just unbelievable. There are a lot of people dying right now. Did you know that? I don't know what the Lord is doing, but I'm telling you, I believe the Lord is trying to get our attention. There are a lot of people dying. I've, I've been alive 63 years. I've never, I don't know of any time that I've seen this many people dying that with, that's not war-related. I remember in Vietnam, a lot of people were dying, but I'm talking about non-war-related. I've never, I've never, in all my ministry, I don't remember any time like right now, people dying. God's trying to wake us up. And so this lady dies that want me to do their funeral. Did you know that people will come to a funeral that would never darken the door of a church? They'll come to a wedding and they'll come to a funeral. I had a seminary professor tell us to always share the gospel at weddings and funerals and give people the chance to get saved. So I get to the end of my message. I'm sharing the gospel. I said, would you pray with me if you'd like to receive Christ in a funeral home? Because I don't know everybody there. And I told them, I said, look, she, Allison, this lady that died, she's in heaven. She would not mind me sharing the gospel and asking you to pray to receive Christ at all. She'd, she'd say, do it. Do it. Why do we share the gospel? Because they can't hear. if They, they can't get saved if they don't hear, and they can't hear if we don't tell them. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? When you look at people, don't look at the outward appearance. Look at their heart. And here's what you wonder. You don't Think about, are they black, are they white, are they rich, are they poor, are they educated, are they uneducated, are they Republican or Democrat? You don't think about all this stuff. Here's what you, are they saved? Do they know the Lord? Because they're going to heaven or hell, one of the two. Everybody you see is going to heaven or to hell. And it ought to matter to you. If that doesn't matter to you, then you've got a heart condition, okay? You need to have a, a heart Check up with the Lord and say, God, why is my heart so hard? Why am I not 
able to have any affection at all for lost people who are going to be in hell the rest of their lives. And not only that, but if they keep living without Christ, their life on earth is empty. What would you do if you didn't have Christ in your life to call on in prayer when you had a problem? What would you do if when your marriage is not going right, you didn't have Christ to help you through that process? What would you do? People are like that. Not only are they going to hell, but they're in a, a, a hell-like world, if you will, with no God to call on. Don't you think maybe you need to tell somebody about Jesus once in a blue moon? Oh, what's the requirement? Listening to the message but how can anybody listen somebody unless somebody tells them? That's the requirement of salvation. Number four, the response for salvation. You got to respond, not just listen, but you got to respond. You got to having also believed. Before a person can be saved, he must hear and listen to the gospel, but merely hearing and listening to the gospel is not enough. You got to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And believing is more than just head knowledge, believing about God. Believing is believing savingly, if you will, in Jesus Christ. You have to believe that Jesus died for you. You have to believe that Jesus rose from the dead to give you eternal life. You have to put all of your faith in Jesus and say, I'm not trusting in myself. I'm trusting in Jesus. Right now, you're trusting in that chair that's holding you up, right? I mean, you're, it, you're hold, it's holding my weight. How do you know? You sat in it. Now, if you just stand up and say, I, I believe that chair could hold me up. Well, you know, maybe it could, maybe it could. Maybe there's a, a, a bolt in there that, uh, you know, you don't know about that's been unloosed. Or maybe that extra pie you ate could sink that chair pretty quick. <laughs> you don't know until you, what? <clears throat> Sit in it. And you are not a believer until you prove that you are, that you put yourself on, you believe on Jesus Christ. You lay your heart and soul on Jesus and you say, I believe. I believe so much that I'm going to rest in Jesus. Have you done that? Have you come to Christ? Have you taken that step? Not just head knowledge, but you've cast yourself upon him. The most famous verse in the whole Bible John 3, 16, it talks about believing in Jesus. Read it with me, good and strong. Here we go. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. How many of you want eternal life? Anybody out there? Then you gotta believe, but you can't just believe. You gotta believe in Jesus. You gotta believe on Jesus, casting all my cares upon him, leaning on the everlasting arms. I'm gonna cast, I'm gonna cast my soul and I'm gonna believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what I'm going to do. That's what I'm going to do. That's the only way anybody gets into heaven. John 6, 29. Jesus told them, this is the only work God wants from you, to believe in the one he has sent. The whole gospel of John was written that you might believe in Christ. John 20, 31. John said, but these things have been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that believing you may have life in his name. When Paul and Silas went to Philippi, I've been there a couple of times, and they went there and they uh, started winning people to Jesus. This lady who was demonized, she was a fortune teller. She got saved. Demon was cast out. Paul cast the demon out, and her owners didn't like it. Their uh, fortune-telling slave woman couldn't uh, tell any more fortunes, so they didn't make any more money off her. So they have Paul and Silas, and they beat them publicly, throw them in jail, and the old uh, Roman soldier down there put them in stocks and everything because if they got 
uh, out, he would be killed in their place. And so they, they were in there. Their backs were bleeding. You can read about this in Acts chapter 16. Acts is one of my, honestly, Acts is my favorite book in the Bible, okay? So in Acts 16, they're down there. They've been beaten and it's midnight and their backs are bleeding. Probably rats crawling across uh, their, their feet just in there. And you say, what are they going to do? They start singing and praising God. They don't have a praise band to lead them either. Some of y'all didn't sing today. I'm not mad at you. It's a little disappointed. It's about as easy as it gets to sing praises here. What would you do if you were in jail and you just had your back beaten to pieces and you're bleeding and you're in stocks? Praise God from whom all Blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly host. Praise Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. Oh, victory in Jesus. My say, you say, have you lost your mind, preacher? No, I didn't lose my mind. I'm sure a lot of those. Prisoners said, these guys are crazy. And the jailer, it says in Acts 16, was listening to them. And guess what? So was God. And God sent an earthquake and all their chains fell off. And the jail cell flew open and the guard was about to commit suicide because if they got free, he would be tortured and then killed along with his family. And he didn't want to see that. And then Paul shouts, don't hurt yourself. We're all here. And he came running, that jailer did, and fell at Paul's feet. And we read about it in Acts 16, 30 and 31. After he brought them out of the prison, he said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And Paul said, well, just do the best you can. Well, just, you know, go to church once a month. Well, give a little money in the offering plate. Well, you know, get baptized, get sprinkled and all that. No, he said, believe. In the Lord Jesus, and you not might be saved, you will be saved. And it goes for your family too, even your kiddos, you and your household. If they will believe, they will be saved. And I'm telling you, whoever is here today, regardless of what you've done, regardless of what is in your past, regardless of what your family has done, regardless of anything going on in your life, if you will believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, he will save you today. He will save you today. Every, every, anybody can be saved. Anybody can be saved. Anybody. That's the response. Having also believed. Well, the root of salvation in him, the recipients of salvation, you also, all y'all come, the requirement of salvation. Listen to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. The response, having also believed. Now, the reward of salvation. How many of you like rewards? How many ever ate? A box, don't eat the box, but eat what's in the box of Cracker Jacks. Anybody like Cracker Jacks? Yeah. Remember the little toy that was in there? Do they still do that? I can remember, oh, I, I want some Cracker Jacks. I didn't want Cracker Jacks. I didn't care about Cracker Jacks. I don't like caramel that much. I mean, it's okay, but I didn't care about the Cracker Jacks. I didn't care about the peanuts. I wanted the prize. 
many a time. I've taken that when my mama wasn't looking and poured the whole thing out on the bed and got the prize and then shoved all that stuff back in. There's crumbs everywhere. I did it on my brother's bed too. <laughs> I'm kidding. I don't know what bed I did it on. Probably did it on his bed. But I wanted the reward. How many of you like payday? Anybody like payday? The rest of y'all just lied. You told a lie. Amen. We like payday, don't we? Yeah, why? Oh, that's, that's the reward. Yeah. How many of you want a reward from God? Anybody? You ready? Here it comes. You were sealed. Everybody say sealed. sealed. You were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. When God saves you, he seals you. He marks you with a mark of ownership. He brands you. Ephesians 4.30, don't grieve the Holy Ghost, the Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. 2 Corinthians 1, 21 and 22. Now he who is, establishes us with you in Christ and anointed us is God who also sealed us and gave us the Spirit in our hearts as a pledge. When God saved you, the Holy Spirit of God came upon you, came in you, and sealed you. My mother used to can vegetables. My mother was ready for a pandemic, and she didn't even know what a pandemic was. Amen? I'm telling you, Dorothy was from the country, and that gal would go buy corn, and she would can. She called it cans. I never understood. Why do you call it canning when you put them in jars? And they're cur jars, those quart jars and 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 she'd put all that good i mean good oh oh my soul i'm talking about cream sweet corn cream corn i'm talking about okra i'm talking i'm talking and, and praise god uh, you know I, i'm just getting happy right now in jesus uh, she she would do tomatoes she would do all kinds of things i'm so grateful she didn't do brussels sprouts Nasty, nasty, nasty. And she'd put those things, amen, on the Brussels sprout. And so she'd put those in a quart jar. And then what did she put on the top? She sealed it. She sealed it. She sealed it so hard. And then it would, you know, some kind of the gas or something coming out of the vegetables and everything. But it, it would just tighten up. And it took a man to get that thing open. No offense, ladies. I'm just telling you. It took, it, took, it took some pliers, all right? I mean, you had to really bear down on that thing. It was sealed. Guess what happened when you got saved? God came into you with the Holy Spirit, and then God took his Holy Spirit on the outside and put a seal on you. You are double locked and keyed, baby. You are ready to go. You are, look, remember the, sign, the song? Signed, sealed, and delivered. You are his. You are signed. Your name is in, written in the Lamb's book of life. You are signed. You are sealed. The Holy Ghost has sealed you, and that is the down payment of your salvation. That is the down payment you're, you're going to be your saved right now. But man, you think you're saved now? Wait till you get to heaven. You're really going to be saved then. And that's the down payment of the future payment, which is heaven itself. So you're signed and sealed and you're delivered. You're delivered from the old life. Old things have passed away. New things have come. I am signed. I am sealed. I am delivered in Christ Jesus all because I got saved. Amen. 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 You say, preacher, you've lost your mind. You don't know the half of it. I gave my mind to him a long time ago. 
Because he makes sense when this world does not. This world's gone crazy. But I'm not crazy. I'm in my right mind. Because of him. He sealed me. Devil can't snatch me out of his hand. He sealed me. My sin can't snatch me out of it. He sealed me. He sealed me. The devil can't snatch me out of his hand. He sealed me. Amen.